Thank you for joining us today as we're in the final week of the greatest month of generosity ever. The greatest month of generosity ever. And I think it's interesting during this whole series, you know, we've looked how we can be a generous person. And the one thing we've said is generosity is not about money. Because if generosity was only about money, a lot of us wouldn't be in the game because we wouldn't be able to be generous. And back in week one, we actually talked about being generous to others just as God is generous to us. Remember, we serve a generous God. He is a God he gave his only son for us. So we have a generous God that we're serving and we're called to be like him. So therefore we should be generous. And we learned that in that first week that God supplies the seed. He supplies us the seed. It's our job to sow the seed that God provides. And then from there, he will multiply the seed. But see, a lot of times we'll get caught up and God gives us seed and we just want to hold on to it too tightly. And we don't want to give it away because we're afraid, well, if God gives me this and I give it away, I'm not going to have any more. But understand that when we do what he calls us to do, he's going to multiply it. He's going to give us more. And then we talked about taking time, taking time to be generous by uh, taking time to be generous to serve others, both inside the church and the community. And we all know that our time is priceless. Our time is priceless. When we can give our time to somebody else, when we can take time out of our day and focus on someone else's needs, it means a lot because time is precious. You know, each one of us can say, man, I ain't got enough time. There ain't enough time in the day to do all of this. So when you actually take time and give to somebody else and help them out, you are being a generous person. And then the last week we talked about being generous even with small gifts. Small gifts, small talents, and resources. And one of the things we talked about was our spiritual gifts. You know, and, and during the week, if, you're, if you've actually sent Connect to us, um, during the week you should have got a text message that had two different places you could go to take a spiritual gifts assessment test to find out what your spiritual gift is. And the one thing we talked about was finding your spiritual gift because a lot of times what happens, as I said last week, we try and be sporks. You know, we try and be this multifaceted spoon, fork, knife kind of thing. And, and, and we try and do everything ourselves. And God calls us to be a fork, a knife, or a spoon. God don't need sports. He needs individual people to do individual stuff. And, and a lot of times what happens, especially in a small church, and you see it, a couple people will do everything. So then other people won't step up because, oh, well, so-and-so is handling it. Well, they've done it for years, so I'm not going to do it. And then the same people who are acting like a spork will say, well, no one ever volunteers. Well, sometimes you have to say no to let somebody else say yes. And a lot of times, because people have never said no, other people will never say yes. And then they get so burnt out and they're trying to figure out, I'm doing this for the Lord and it's not working. Because it's probably not what the Lord gifted you to do. So it's okay sometimes to say no to allow someone else to say yes, because it's about building the kingdom anyways. Amen? 
So I encourage you, if you haven't taken a spiritual gifts test, take the test, find out what your spiritual gift is, and then use that gift inside the church and inside the community. Because if God gifted you to do it, he will use you in a mighty way to use that gift. So make sure you're using the gift that God actually gave you. And as I said, generosity is not just about money. However, today we're going to be looking at the early church. So we're going to be in the book of Acts. And one thing that we know about the early church is they were a generous church. They were very generous. They were generous to giving their money, their resources, and their possessions for the good of the people. And, and Tim Keller, actually, in an article, uh, What We Need to Learn About the Early Church, actually said this. Christians were also unusually generous with their money, particularly to the poor and needy, and not just to their own family or racial group. They were generous. Do we look like the early church? Do we act like the early church? And it's rhetorical. You don't have to answer me. But you think about it. If we're not the early church, then what are we? Aren't we supposed to be Christ followers? Aren't we supposed to do? Now, granted, yes, times change and things change, but how come we're not generous anymore? How come we as Christians aren't known as generous people? The early church was known for their generosity. Christian church today is known for what? Hypocrisy, not generosity, which is a crying shame that we got to that point. And, you know, as I've looked at this and I've looked at talking, you know, we've talked about generosity for three weeks now. And I've seen my own failures. I've seen my own failures and given my time because Lord knows sometimes I just say I'm too busy and I don't take the time to do what I should be doing. Maybe I don't always use my gifts the way I should use my gifts. And I've seen myself fail in all the different ways. And even as we've talked about it during the course of the weeks, I've said, hey, I, I failed at this. Today's subject, I think I do pretty good at. And I'm not going to say I do pretty good because I'm rich and I have it all together and I do all this. I just, from a very early age, I understood the... How could I say it? I understood the standard or I understood the, the principles behind today's message. So it always came easy to me. And you've had three weeks of talking about generosity and I didn't talk about money. Sorry, today we're talking money. <laughs> Just so you know. <laughs> You know, but, but I will tell you, it's going to be a little bit about money, but a lot about something else. But, but today's subject, I think I've, I've always done okay with it because of the fact that I've seen God's hand in it. I've seen God's blessing through my obedience of doing what he's called me to do. You know, like I said, I'm definitely not rich. I'm a pastor, so you know I'm not rich. I haven't asked anyone to buy me a new Learjet lately. Not going to either. But I think we need to understand the relationship of money given and generosity, all as the church and the beginning of the church saw it. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 4 today. And, you know, even though we know there's been swindlers in the church, 
We all know TV evangelists. We've all seen it all over the news. We've seen where people, I want a new Learjet. I already have two, but I need a new one because I can do ministry better flying on my own private jet than I can flying in coach. You know, we, we've all seen it, and we've seen these people who teach that way, and it makes people not want to give. It makes it look like the church is greedy. Well, we are not a greedy church, and my prayer is that when we get done here today, that we will be generous in our financial giving wherever God calls us to give. Notice I said wherever God calls us to give, because God can call you to give to different places. And hopefully we will be generous to what God calls us to do. And like I said, we're going to be in Acts chapter 4. We're also going to go back to the scripture that we started this series out with in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. But if you have your Bible, I encourage you to open it up to Acts chapter 4. We're going to be in verses 32 through 35. If you don't have a Bible with you, there is one in the back of the pew. And as always, it will be up on the screen. Amen. So y'all ready? Let's Dig in. Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through 35. Now the entire group of those who believed were of one heart and mind, and no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own. But instead, they held everything in common. With great power, the apostles were given testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was on all of them. For there was not a needy person among them because all those who owned lands and houses sold them, brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. This was then distributed to each person as any had need. Amen. Heavenly Father, as we take time in your word today, Lord, we ask that you open up our eyes to see what it is you want us to see. Open our ears that we may hear your voice. And Lord, may my words be yours and may you be glorified when we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I was doing the research for this, I found this very somewhat sarcastic, but sadly too often true um, statement by author and pastor F.S. Marsh. And he actually says this. He says, one has said in contrast in the early church with Christianity of today, it is not a solemn thought that if the evangelist Luke was describing modern instead of primitive Christianity, he would have to vary the phraseology of Acts 4, 32 through 35, and it would sound something like this. And the multitude of them that professed were of hard heart and stony soul. And everyone said that all the things which he possessed were his own. And they had all things in the fashion, and with great power gave they witness to the attractions of this world, and great selfishness was upon them all. And there were many among them that lacked love, for as many as were possessors of lands bought more, and sometimes gave a small part thereof for a public good, so their names were heralded in newspapers, and distribution of praise was made to everyone according as he desired. Kind of sounds like today's world, doesn't it? Kind of does sound like today's Christianity. Because why? Everyone's in it for themselves, right? We're all in it for ourselves. We're trying to keep up with the Joneses, and hey, this is mine. 
This is mine, this is mine, this is mine. It's me, 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 myself, and I. And like I said, I know me, myself, and I better than anybody. And every one of us probably know me, myself, and I better than anyone. And in today's world, this is exactly what you see. It's a me mentality culture that people live in. And unfortunately, it has bled into the church because it's all about me. It's all about me and my wants. And, and, and I like the fact how it said they were, you, um, <laughs> it talks about them having uh, hard hearts and stony souls and everyone was about the things they possessed. Have you thought about the things you possess lately? I have. I thought about, man, I wish I could have this, this, or this also. But of course, I said, I wish I could, not that I have to have. So there's a big difference between wishing and wanting and, and needing and a need and a want. And, and I think as we look at this, you know, people worry about themselves way too much. And, and that's where when I was looking, I said, you know, we really need to, with looking at this, we need to go back to where we started the series. We need to go back and say, what, what was the Apostle Paul talking about to the Corinthian church that will help us understand what we see in the first early church in the book of Acts? And here he actually emphasized the power of generosity in 2 Corinthians 9-11 where he said, you will be enriched in every way for all generosity which produces thanksgiving to God through us. Produces thanksgiving to God, which is what we want to do. And just prior to these verses of verses 6 through 8, he actually said this. The point is this. The person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart. Not reluctantly or out of compulsion. Since God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make every, grace over, uh, make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. And I think the real big, the big idea for today is that Paul tells the, the church in, in Corinth to be generous in their givings and that God is going to take care of them. Now, I want you, don't take this as the wrong way. And, you know, what he's saying here is, is it's an act of thanksgiving that brings about a reward. Our thanksgiving to God, and it brings a reward to us. But understand, it's not like investing in crypto. It's not like investing in a company. You know, I'm investing in the company of God. I'm buying stocks or shares in the company of God. That's not what giving is, and that's not what we're doing here. You know, giving should be a result of an inward resolve. It should be a heart issue and not out of impulse or just a casual decision. You know, and, and once the amount, you, you look at it, it says once the amount was determined, Paul said to give it cheerfully. Be a cheerful giver, and ultimately what you receive back is grace. You receive all of God's grace back from it. And it's a complex issue because a lot of people will take this and say, oh, the Apostle Paul and now Pastor Ken is preaching prosperity. No, I am not. I am not preaching prosperity. And if you think of prosperity, the prosperity gospel, it's if you give a lot of money, God's going to bless you for giving a lot of money. Well, that's not what's going on here. It's not name it and claim it. 
That's a promise of God. I'm going to say that promise until the day I die and God's going to give it to me. That's not what it's about. It's not a prosperity gospel. And even theologian Sam Storm said this. A closer look at 2 Corinthians 9 confirms that the reaping Paul has in mind, as well as in Galatians 6, isn't for the purpose of building personal wealth. God will grant a bountiful harvest to the one who sows bountifully so that the Christian may abound in every good work. Every good work is being generous in every way. So we need to understand the Apostle Paul's language here. It's more to counteract fear of people giving than to tell people, if you give, you're going to prosper. He's telling people, look, if you trust God, if you believe, then don't give out of fear. Be cheerful in what you do. Because we all know some people are terrified to give. Man, pastor, if I give, I can't pay my bills. I won't be able to pay my bills this week or this month, and I can't do it. And I want you to understand that Paul's teaching the church in Corinth. In Corinth, we see that the believers are called to be generous in their giving of money, in their need, in, in being generous in supporting what God is doing. Be generous to what God is doing. And a lot of times people be like, well, Pastor, I just don't understand this. You know, I give and I don't understand, or, or where does it go? Or, or what does my giving to the church do? Or what is it for? Well, I encourage you, watch this video real quick, and you can see what you're giving to a local church does. To glorify him. That's why we give. To glorify him. To feed the hungry like we do with our brown box food distribution. To clothe the naked or to clothe the poor like we do with our clothes closet. That now actually has enough clothes in it that we have to expand it into another room. And Ms. Valerie's getting on me. Pastor Ken, is that other room ready yet? 
So now I told her I'd have it ready before, before the, next dish, the next day to close closet so that she can go ahead and get people out here to help fill it. But God provides the seed. It's our job to sow it. And, th and that's exactly what we do in the church is we sow the seed that we get. And it's interesting, and, you know, like I said, I really haven't talked about money, and I haven't gotten anyone's business about it until now. Do you tithe? Rhetorical question, don't answer me. Do you tithe? And when I say tithe, a tithe is a tenth. Do you actually give a tenth of your income, a tenth of any increase you get? Do you actually give the whole tithe? And I just want you to know one thing. I, I'm not here to tell you what to give. I'm not going to tell you what to give. I'm not going to tell you how to give. I'm just going to tell you what God's word says. And you can take God's word the way you want to take it. But I do want to supply you with some facts that you may be surprised with. Only 10 to 25% of people in a congregation actually tithe. Think about that. So if there's 40 people in here today, between four and nine people tithe, the rest don't. Current Christianity, instead of giving a full tithe at 10%, only averages 2.5% of their income. And now the, what people will say, well, pastor, do you know, have you seen gas prices? Have you seen the price of everything going up? Well, most of us know or have heard about the Great Dep Depression. During the time of the Great Depression, Christians actually gave 3.3% compared to 2.5% of today. So even during the Great Depression, which was a time worse than today, people still gave more. But remember, a person should decide what they're going to give, having faith that God's going to take care of it. It's not about what I say. It's not about anything else. It's about having that faith in God. And, and I want you to understand, as we look at this offering that the uh, Apostle Paul's talking about in Corinth, and, and as we're looking at it in 2 Corinthians, I want you to understand what he's talking about. The conversation started a year prior. A year prior to this in 1 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1, and th 1 through 3, Paul actually tells them to set aside at the beginning of the week to start saving money for this collection because he's going to come back and get it. And when he comes back to get it, he don't want to have to come into church and do a special love offering. He's basically telling them to plan ahead a year in advance, start putting money aside so when I come back in a year, I can collect everything that you've already set aside and I can take it to the church in Jerusalem. Because they're being prosecuted. They don't, they've got, uh, you know, they don't have enough food. They don't have all these needs in their life. So we're going to collect and we're going to give it to this church in Jerusalem. So they plan this out. They planned it out ahead of time. And, and you even saw in Acts 4 that each person has to decide what to give. Decided in your heart what to give, not out of reluctancy, not out of compulsion, you know, and be a cheerful giver because God is a cheerful giver. 
So on that same note, we see that they plan this. How many of y'all plan your giving? Do you plan your giving? Or do you just say, well, you know, here, I paid all my bills. This is what I got left. And then you give God the leftovers. Do you actually plan it? We, think about everything you plan in your life. You plan to go to the dentist. You plan on getting a haircut. You plan your day. You plan what you're going to wear. You plan when you're going to go have an oil change in your car. You plan weddings. You plan funerals. We plan everything all week long. Why don't we plan on what to give God? Why don't we plan on what we give God? See, now one of the things I do, and even today, and I've been doing it for years and years, is I got a budget. I've got a budget, and each week when I get paid, I pull up my Excel spreadsheet with my budget on it, and the very first line item is tithe. Before I look at anything else, it says tithe. And after I deposit my check into the bank, I go to fbclantana.com slash give, and I click on the button that says tithes and offerings. And then I log into my PayPal account, and then I put in my 10%, and then I add the $3.12 for the service fee so the church don't have to pay it. And then I say a prayer, and I pray that God, as I give you the first fruits of my labor, that you'll bless the remaining fruits, and I hit send. Then I go back to my Excel spreadsheet, highlight, okay, that's done. And then I look at the rest of what's on there. Now, one of the things I do is I do, a, you know, as I do the budget, I will plan, hey, you know what? I only got $30 this week to go out to dinner. Hey, Patty, we're having five guys. Sorry, no Ruth Chris this week. We're having five guys. Why? Because I planned it. And I've been doing this for years and years. And, and I want to let you know, if you don't know how to do this, if you don't know how to create a budget, call me. Come and see me. I've done multi-million dollar budgets back in the years when I worked for Winn-Dixie and all these different places. And I've done an own, my own personal budget for years. Come and see me. If you got financial problems of, hey, I don't know how to do this. I'm in debt. Come and see me. I will help you. Come up with a plan that you can schedule and start to snowball your debt and start to pay stuff off. And if you don't want to come and see me and just want resources, hey, Pastor Ken, can you give me resources? I'll send you resources to help you create a budget and find financial freedom. Because it is very possible, it doesn't matter how much you make, what is, you will find interest is when you look at your checkbook or your ATM, You'll find out what's true to your heart when you start realizing, man, I spent a lot of money at Starbucks. Man, I spent a lot of money here or there. Man, I've been having a gym membership for the last 10 years and I haven't been there in the last nine. But I still pay my gym membership. You know, and these are the things that we do, but then we say we don't have enough to give God what he asked for. And that we can't be cheerful for God, but we waste money on other things. Give God his first. This is the only thing, and we all know, the only place in Scripture where God challenges you and says, test me on this, is with the tithe in Malachi 3.10. The only place he will tell you, test me on this. Because every place else, we're told, don't tempt him. Don't test God. God says, test me on this. 
And with that testing, what I want to do nice and simple is I want to challenge you to challenge yourself. If right now you're only, if you're not tithing at all, between now and Easter, say, you know what? I'm going to give average two and a half percent. I'm going to give two and a half percent. If you're giving two and a half percent, I'm going to give five. If you're giving five, I'm going to give seven and a half. If you're giving seven and a half, I'm going to give a full tithe. If you're giving a full tithe, say, you know what? I'm going above and beyond. I'm doing 12 and a half percent. Between now and Easter, challenge yourself and test God on this. Because what I want to do is come Easter, not only are we going to see what God's doing in people's lives, but then I want to hear the stories. I want to hear your story about, Pastor, there's no way I thought I could do this. And man, God showed up. Trust God to do what he says he will do. You're not going to become rich. You're not going to become a billionaire. And hey, if you do, praise God. But that's not what it's about. It's about being obedient to what God calls us to do. It's all his anyways. Give it back to him and rely on his promises to do what he calls to do. It's not about prosperity. It's doing what we're called to do. Imagine if this entire church, everyone in here gave a full tithe. Imagine what we could do. Imagine what we could do inside this community in the town of Lantana. And beyond that, everything the church gives, the church tithes off of it. We give 10% to other organizations, to other nonprofits, to help support missionaries, to help support church plants. So everything we get, we give also. Do what God called you to do. Grow the kingdom because that's what we're called to do. Because remember... It's not your church. And I hear it all the time. This is my church, pastor. No, it's not. It's Jesus' church. We just happen to be members. But this is a church of Jesus Christ. Jesus is why we have a church today. It's not mine. It's not yours. And with that being said, I'm not going to talk anymore about tithing. I want to go back. There's a part in this scripture that I think we miss. There's a part that I think we severely miss, especially as traditional Baptists. As traditional Baptists, it's something that we miss a lot. And when you go back to it, remember that this offering was for the church in Jerusalem. But it was being given by the Gentile churches. And back in that time, there was a conflict between the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians. You know, the Jewish Christians said, oh, wait, wait, I'm Jewish. You need to be circumcised. You need to do all of this Jewish tradition. And Gentiles were like, uh-uh, that ain't for me. And the Apostle Paul says, look, he went from Macedonia through Asia saying, we're going to do this collection for the church, for the Jewish believers, because we want to help them and do what God called us to do. Can you imagine today if we cross denominational lines? <gasps> what? Pastor, you want us to do pe- stuff with them Catholic people over there? You want us to hang out with them Lutherans over there? You want us to go do stuff with, with them 
even with them non-denominationals, really? <clears throat> Aren't we all the body of Christ? Here's a newsflash in case you don't know. When we get to heaven, there's not going to be a Baptist section. There's not going to be a Lutheran section. There's not going to be a Catholic section. There ain't going to be any sections. Guess what? We're all going to be at the banquet table together. It's going to be like a big Thanksgiving feast, and we're all going to be sitting there together. And you know what? My sister's Catholic, and I know I'm going to be sitting at the banquet table with her. You know why? Because she has accepted Jesus Christ as a personal Lord and Savior. Imagine what we could do if we crossed denominational lines. If we went out and said, we are the body of Christ and we're going to do what God called us to do. And hey, Advent Lantana, you got something going on? Man, we're right there with you. <clears throat> we're going to come together. We're going to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ because I know I'm going to see you in heaven because guess what? You believe what I believe, that Jesus is the son of God. And that the only way to heaven is to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Guess what? We're going to be there together. You were sprinkled. I was dunked. That's okay. I've been both. I was sprinkled as a baby and dunked as an adult. That's okay. We need to major on the major and minor on the minors and do what God called us to do and be the body of Christ. Be the body of Jesus Christ and do what we can to affect change. And imagine if we did that. Think about it. They were all of one accord. They had one common goal. They were together. We can't get 50 people together without an argument. Think about it. What if we were all focused on the same thing? And what should we be focused on? Jesus Christ. What should we be focused on? Getting people to accept Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. Making disciples in all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what we're called to do. And we get caught up on tradition. On stuff that don't matter. Let's go back and do what God's word calls us to do. Be the people God called us to do. And you think about it. Imagine if we were of one heart and one mind, how much we could affect Lantana. How much we could affect Lake Worth or Boynton Beach or Palm Beach County. Imagine if the entire Christianity, everyone throughout the whole world came together at one time. That'd be a big old bonfire with kumbaya, wouldn't it? But that'd be amazing to see if we all came together and did what God called us to do instead of getting stuck on traditions. Instead of getting stuck on, well, them Pentecostals over there are kind of crazy. I might get Baptocostal sometimes. <laughs> we got to do what we're called to do. And think about this. Think about they, they held everything in common. They were given testimony of salvation. How amazing would that be? I read a story once where they had a seminar going on and it was supposed to be like a two-hour meeting. And it lasted for 42 days. And it lasted for 42 days because when the first guy got up there, instead of preaching, he got up and gave his testimony. And then he said, who's next? It went on for 42 two days, people continued to come into the building giving their testimony. Only God can do something like that. And it wasn't about, I'm Baptist, I'm this, I'm that. It was about, this is what God, this is who I was, this is when I met Jesus, and this is what he's done in my life. That's what we should be worried about. That's what we should be out there telling the world. And then what did it say? Great grace was on them all. 
Wouldn't you like to have some great grace on you right now? It'd be nice, wouldn't it? But what's stopping you from doing it? What's stopping you from doing what God called you to do? And like I said at the beginning, my prayer is that we'll all be generous in our financial giving wherever God calls us to give, whether it's this church or someplace else. Wherever God calls you, be obedient to God's call. But also, like I said, challenge yourself between now and Easter. If you're not tithing, start tithing. Increase what your tithe is. Test God on it. Don't test me. Test God. He's the one who calls us to test. He tells us to test him on this. And you may be sitting here saying, man, pastor, you went long. Yeah, I did. Holy cow, I really went long today. <laughs> it's an important subject. It's an important thing that we, we do. Because remember that, that as we serve a generous God, we should be generous. Be generous with your time. Be generous with your talents. Be generous with your resources. Be generous every way that you can. Pay it forward to someone. If you're sitting in line, buy the people behind you food or coffee. Leave them a note. Jesus loves you and so do I. Be generous in your life with everything that you do. Be obedient to what God calls us to do and watch him do crazy things in your life just because of your obedience to him. And maybe you're here and saying, well, you know, that's really good, Pastor, but I don't know Jesus. Well, guess what? That's the first step. Because if you're going to be obedient to what God calls you to do, then you need to be obedient and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if you're there saying, well, Pastor, man, I can't give no money and I ain't got my act together to accept Jesus, that's okay. He don't want your money. He wants you. He wants your heart. And he'll accept you right as you are, as messed up and jacked up as you think your life is. That's what our family's all about. This is a church family of messed up and jacked up people, but we're all loved. And it says we've all sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. But if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's that simple. And that's your first step in obedience. Accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Go out there and start to change the world. Dig it into God's word and being obedient to what he calls you to be. And if you've accepted Jesus and never been baptized, your next step of obedience is baptism. I'd love to fill up the baptistry again. We filled it up a couple times already this year. I'd love to be able to fill it up again and baptize someone before Christmas or the end of the year. So maybe that's your next step. Whatever it is, you know what it is, and God knows. And as I said, I want you to challenge yourself and test God and, and pray about it and say, God, I'm only giving two and a half percent. Teach me to give five. I'm only giving this. Teach me to give more. Teach me to be generous for you. And with that, you may just have to come up here and, and pray about it. 
Come up to the altar and ask God, God, what do you want me to give? What do you want me to give and how do you want me to give between now and Easter? And whatever he gives you, do it. Do it. And you may be surprised what he gives you. And you're like, <laughs> I don't know, God. I've been there. I've been there. Where I, God, there ain't no way I can do this. And have done it. And been blown away by what he's done. So maybe you just need to come to the altar and pray about it. If you need to accept Jesus, I'll be over on the side. Father, I raise this congregation to you. Lord, that we will be generous as you've called us to be generous. That not only in our money, but in our time, our resources, everything, Lord. We'll be generous to reach people for you. That we will be the, your church and do what you call us to be. May we be obedient, Lord. I just ask that you bless all those within the sound of my voice. Lord, that as you call them, that they will be obedient and stand firm in what you call them to do. And Lord, be with us as we continue to go forward and that we continue to fill your kingdom because that's what it is about. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>